Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. This is the 19th T podcast. Just Drew's with you for tonight's episode. No KM, unfortunately, but I do have a very special guest sitting across the screen from me back in his native New South Wales after a strong start to the 2022 side of the season. Josh Armstrong joins us from Sydney, mate. Welcome to the 19th T. Thanks for having me, nice. It's good fun, mate. Yeah, we're looking forward to this one. You've got a, a pretty uh, interesting career to date. I mean, you're so early in the piece anyway. I mean, junior President's Cups and plenty of other fun stuff to chat about along the way. But uh, let's go back to the very beginning, I guess, is what we do with all of our guests. And where did golf begin for you? What's your what's your earliest memories of the game? Mate, so I'm actually a Canberra boy originally. Um, so... I actually probably the first time I picked up a club was when I was living in Washington, Mm DC for early stages of my life, hitting little plastic clubs down the hallways and yeah, kind of just fell in love with it from there. Got a handicap when I was six or seven in Canberra at Gold Creek and yeah, here I am. So you lived in the States for the early part of your life, is that what you're saying? Correct, yeah. So I was born in Canberra, Um, so mum was pregnant with me in DC and then Moved to Australia for six months. I was born in Canberra, then went back to DC. Right. So, yeah, and then I moved back to Canberra when I was four or five, something like that. What's the What's the golf like in Canberra? I mean, what's the, what's the big, I guess, federal would be probably the most well-known golf club in Canberra? Federal or Royal Canberra. They're yep. probably the, the two that everyone sort of, I guess, thinks about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then what's the what's the golf scene like there growing up? I mean, we, we speak to, you know, obviously plenty of people who have grown up in Queensland and the plethora of courses in there, but what's what's it like growing up as a golfer in, in Canberra? It's pretty small. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a pretty small little community that, that they've got there. Um, it's just kind of good in a way. There was a lot of the juniors which all sort of, we'd all just meet up and go play somewhere. So it was kind of good fun in that sense, but. You know, it was pretty uh, dismal when every time we went to a junior interstate series and we'd be battling with usually NT for the wooden spoon. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> a bit so harsh. That, yeah, that side of it's a bit, uh, a bit how you going. But, you know, other than that, it was good fun though. Uh, you mentioned Gold Creek there and I was just doing a bit of research before we, we jumped the line and, and your career low round of 10 under, 62 at Gold Creek. I mean, I mean I'm sure that might have probably been a little bit later in your golfing journey than six or seven, but uh, take, what, what was that round? That must've been pretty bloody impressive. Yeah. I think uh, if I'm, th- I, I had 10 under twice there. The right. first time, the first time I had it there, I was actually only about two weeks back from playing golf after dislocating my knee. Um, so it was actually, it was kind of nice. That was a couple of days before going to, if I remember rightly, the master of the amateurs down at Royal Melbourne there. Um, so, yeah, that was – I think it's just – any time you get on a, on a good day like that, you just go with it, right? Um, I, yeah, that's that's probably all i got to say about it, to be honest. <laughs> is, it, is that a course record? 
no, it wasn't because we were playing preferred buys. So oh. the running joke was that was the that was what helped me get to it. Mate, doesn't matter. It still says sixty two on the scorecard. It doesn't matter how you get there, in my opinion. That's how what did... I thought too. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned you get a handicap at the age of six or seven there, and then sort of what's your your golfing pathway after that? Because obviously that's probably a little bit younger than a lot of the guys and girls that we've spoken to is getting handicaps at that age. What's your sort of journey to, I guess, getting into the New South Wales pathway um, and all of that sort of stuff afterwards? Um, so I grew up playing a lot of the Jack Newton junior events. Um, they were probably, they were actually a really good stepping stone for me, just playing the little two-day master events and things like that. Um, you know, I sort of, I think I was probably about 15 or 16 when I started in a, the Jack Newton, I'll say like development squads um, and then progressed from there into, um, I think I might've been 17 or 18 when I was into the New South Wales high performance squad. Um, and yeah, obviously I was still playing for ACT as a junior up until I was 17. Um, and then I played my first year of men's interstate series for the, New South Wales when I was 17 or 18, something like that. That rings a bell. Um, and yeah, here I am. So your amateur career, I mean, just going back through some of the results that you you had, um, obviously we should mention that you turned pro uh, in 2021, but some of the results, I mean, dating back right down to, to 2015 in the New South Wales men's amateur final 16, the winner of the Avondale amateur medal in 2017, um, a, a host of top tens, top fives, federal open. I would suspect that you would have, well, I was hoping you'd do well at the federal <laughs> federal open. I imagine you would have played that plenty. But I mean, you, when you look back at your amateur career, I mean, you, you had a really impressive few years as an amateur before making the call to, to, to turn pro. How do you, how do you reflect on your time as, uh, as an amateur? Yeah, I, I think there was definitely lots of good stuff in there. Um, in all honesty, I, I, pro- I was probably playing some of my best golf. I had um, the year I won Avondale, um, which kind of sounds a bit funny to say that. Um, but I, like that, I just felt like my game was kind of – I knew where everything was at that point in time. Um, sort of two, three years ago, before COVID really hit, I was struggling a lot, actually. Um, so some would say it was a bit of a weird time to turn pro after that. Um, but – yeah, I, I think um, a lot of the events in Australia I made the most of. Um, and I think that's where it was kind of good to get the hang of being in contention for tournaments, I guess. Um, and, yeah, I tried to play overseas a little bit through there as well. Like uh, I, had a, I had a couple of half-OK okay results at British Amateur and um, Players Amateur and stuff like that in the States, um, but nothing too fantastic. Um Generally, though, I feel like I had a fairly solid amateur career. Not maybe not as good as some, but still decent. What's you mentioned going overseas there, and, and I was going to bring up the the British amateur that you mentioned and the and the players amateur. Um, what's the difference? I mean, you you talk about you come from a you know a small town, I guess, in Canberra, <laughs> to then playing, I guess, more broadly in Australia, up in New South Wales, and you're playing around you know, more more national competitions, which is the first step up. But then I guess going to the States and, and going over to Europe must have been just a completely different step again. I mean, how do you reflect on that time and, and the differences that were between, I guess, Canberra to Australia to the international stage? 
I think the biggest difference I noticed when I went to the first time I went over to British Amateur and those sorts of events was I quickly realised that every guy that was there, and this is no disrespect to golf in Australia, mm. by the way, um, that every person in that field was good enough to win it. Yeah. Um, and I think that here it kind of, you know, you had say half the field was really, really solid, but then some of the others maybe didn't quite have that same depth. Um, I, I think that's just the biggest difference. Um, and I, obviously playing events like the British Amateur and things like that, there's lots of international guys and lots of national teams playing and all that sort of stuff. You know, there was always probably about a dozen Aussies that were over there as well. Um, and you kind of get a dozen guys from most other countries playing it too. So that's, I guess that's the other cool thing about it. You meet lots of different guys and kind of see how they go about it. You get, I mean, you come from Canberra, a landlocked state, um, going over to Britain where I guess it's largely golf is links, links golf, true links golf. And, and I think in Australia, I mean, I think a lot of people probably don't understand the true meaning of links golf. I, I would say that maybe we have a couple of Bamboogle and, and King Island and Cape Wickham are probably the, the ones that really spring to mind. But how big a difference was the the physical golf side of things? I mean, you touched on the competition there, but what about the actual golf side of things? I think um, the the caliber, well, the I'll say the array of shots you play is way different. Um, yeah. You know, can be gets a little bit windy, um, yeah. but over there, since it's so exposed, the wind feels almost like it's stronger than what it actually is. Um, so, you know, there was always the great debate of do you flight it against the wind or do you play with the wind? And I think that was where you kind of, or do you, you know, from 50 out, do you pull putter? Um, you know, there's just things like that. A lot of people over here don't play. Um, and I, that was kind of the cool thing about it, to be honest, is you, you, you take out all theories of textbook golf and you just figure out a way to get it done. That's that, that's the massive difference over there. Was was the college option ever something that you considered going over to the States and, and trying your hand over there? Yeah, through year 11 and 12, it was. Year 11 mainly, I was really thinking about it. Um, I did a couple campus visits to some schools. Um, in all honesty, my grades in school weren't probably good enough anyway. Um, and I didn't really want to study. Um, for another three and a half, four years or however long. Um, I just wanted to play golf. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> it's it, it's a really interesting decision because I think like now there are so many more pathways to becoming a professional golfer than what there were, say, 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, like you've done, you've been, you've gone through the amateur ranks, turned pro and now cutting your teeth on the Aussie circuit. And I'm sure we'll be on to bigger and better things in a few years time. There's guys like Akshay Batia, who we'll certainly get to as he uh, part of your your Junior Presidents Cup uh, time. But you know he turned pro at the age of 17 and winning on the corn ferry. So the, the array of options, I guess, are so more um, diverse than what they were 10 years ago. How you know sort of that decision to stick with your amateur status and then sort of I guess move into the professional ranks. How big a call was that? Um, it was actually felt like it was easier than what it could have been. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, the college system is great for developing a lot of people in different areas. Um, 
for me personally, I just didn't feel like I was going to get better at golf while studying again. Um, yeah, obviously they play really high quality events and things like that. So that's great. Um, you know, like we were touching on with how events over there, competition wise, it's just a little bit stronger. So that was the big selling point for going over there. Um, but in terms of developing me as a golfer, I felt like it was just going to be a little bit more sound uh, staying in Australia. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no. Yeah, I think um, I'm, I don't regret my decision, to be honest. Um, I know there's lots of other people who get lots of benefits out of the college system. And, you know, I've, I've referred a lot of people over to some college coaches and they've had great success out of it. So there's obviously goods and bads. You turn pro in 2021, as you mentioned before. Interesting time yeah. to turn pro in the middle of a yeah. pandemic. I mean, I think back to, I mean, what are we, we're probably looking at 2020, I guess, was the real height of the pandemic through through 2021. What were those couple of years like for yourself? I guess in 2020, you're still an amateur. 2021, you make the call to become a pro with I guess, very limited opportunities to play here in Australia throughout 2021. I mean, how, how are those two years for you, if you can separate them? Well, 2020, um, that was, I think, uh, I remember, I just, I think I just got back from playing Riversdale. Um, and then I was sitting at home at my apartment and I was actually with my girlfriend and we were planning our trip going to SA Classic and then we kind of woke up one morning and um, you know everything had been cancelled so I remember distinctively uh, being on hold with Qantas to cancel my flight and get a refund or a voucher or something. I think I was on hold for like 15 hours. So I, I was going to say, with my you, phone on the call. You and every other person. <laughs> yeah. So I remember falling asleep with the phone call on and I had it on speaker. So that, and I set an alarm because there was a rough time frame and I set an alarm to wake up about an hour before that time frame. And I, yeah, like so basically from that moment on in 2020, I remember literally just doing nothing. Um, I think we were doing some golf New South Wales stuff over Zoom, like trying to do some gym sessions and things like that, but it just wasn't the same. Um, yeah, so come 2021, I guess we were able to play a little bit of golf. Um, and when uh, golf New South Wales were announcing that they were going to have those regional opens, the two day things. Um, golf New South Wales were kind enough to say to myself and two other guys, um, we'll give you, I think it was six starts in the regional opens plus New South Wales open. Right. So I said, right, done. That'll do me. So turn pro and um, yeah, play, I, I played okay and, few of those regional opens um had my first win as a pro in one of them which is kind of nice um but yeah i think it was 20 yeah uh i when tps bonnie dune and those sorts of events were starting up i basically tried to get invites into them and play my way into getting aussie to a card but that was really hard i didn't ex- i didn't anticipate it being that hard like i knew my game was good enough but you know, it's just thinking like, well, okay, I've actually got to play to get my status here. Um, 
I, I don't think I prepared myself well enough for that, to be honest. <laughs> um, so in that sense, it was a good learning curve. You mentioned uh, that you had a decent series throughout the, the regional series and you casually dropped in that you had your first win as a pro, which we will give a bit of love to here because it's absolutely deserving. Uh, the Murray Open, uh, a one-shot victor uh, and the course record 63. Um, I mean, what does that do for you, I guess, confidence-wise um, to have your first win as a pro? What's that that moment like? A, a little bit closer than I guess you probably would have liked. You would have been been much much happier walking away as a five shot victor, but one shot victor coming down the stretch. Like, what's that whole sort of just moment and that last sort of half an hour coming down that last hole like? It's uh, it's pretty surreal to be honest. You kind of you you're trying not to think about like holding a trophy and all that sort of stuff, but it it obviously just slips into your mind at times and you go, wait, <laughs> hang on a minute. We've still got some work to do here. Um, I remember like, I think it was myself and Daniel Fox and Charlie Dan who were mm. in the last group. And so yeah. good mates with Charlie and Foxy's not a bad guy either. And so we were having a bit of a chat the whole way around. And um, I think Foxy sort of started charging at me through the, through the middle of the round. And I think I was a couple behind with, five to go and then I made an eagle up one of the par fives and got it back to all square and then that just turned the tables for me um, and then Foxy buggied the last as well which was um, obviously good in my favour mm. um, but yeah like like I said you, you're, trying, you're trying to focus so hard on trying to do a job but it is it, it's challenging to not think about oh like what should I say in the speech? I've got to remember to do this or that. Like it's, yeah, it's. Um, so again, it's kind of, it's, I think it's nice to know that early. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was good fun. I was, uh, like, it, it's funny that you, you mentioned that it's, you've got to try and block out everything, but at the same time, you probably want to enjoy that moment as well. I mean, yeah. for, for so early in your professional career to be, mm. In, I guess, A, in the hunt, but B, ultimately holding the trophy and walking down the 8th fairway knowing that you've got a fairly good chance of winning it. You, you do want to allow some of those motions in. Is it a real fine balance to try and block out all that other shit and then you're like, actually, let's try and so- soak a bit of this up? A, a little bit. Um, like, there was there was a, a lot of locals out watching, which was quite nice. Um, and I remember, like, they were, I was trying to talk to them a little bit. Yeah. Um, trying to keep it sort of pretty chill, um, I guess. Um, and I think that's, that was my idea of trying to soak it up. Um, but it was kind of cool to have my, my girlfriend was obviously playing the tournament as well. And she had the course record with me on day one. So it was kind of cool to have her there as well. Um, just made it a little bit more special. When you obviously so early in your career, as we mentioned to taste victory, what's your, mindset and anticipation going into a tournament like that is it i i genuinely believe i can win is it let's top 10 let's top 20 let's make the cut what what's your mindset going into the week when you i guess you're so early into your professional career now you probably you've got your feet probably a little bit more established on the tour what's your what's your mindset going into that first one um I think uh, I've always been a little bit of a believer in that there's probably not much point in showing up if you don't feel like you can win. Um, 
I mean, obviously in saying that, there's lots of great players out on the tour. So um, if you can give it your, your red hot chili dip and off and, you know, sort of try and push as hard as you can, then that's all you can do, right? Um, you know, maybe some weeks there's different goals that you've got um, and others you're probably going, well, okay, if it's a weaker field, then maybe you feel like you've got an extra chance of trying to win there. Um but like I said, you can't disrespect any of the guys out here because um, they can come back and bite you pretty quickly. Um, so I think it's um, yeah, there's there's a fine there's a fine line there, um, and yeah, I, I guess it's kind of taken in his stride a bit. We do need to backtrack a little bit to 2017 to talk about the Junior Presidents Cup, uh, the inaugural Junior Presidents Cup, I should say, uh, the honorary captain of the international team was uh, one Mr. Gary Player. Uh, the captain was Trevor Immelman. The honorary captain of the US team was uh, Jack Nicholas, arguably the greatest to ever do it, whichever side of the fence you sit on. Captain was David Toms. Uh, the international team, I mean, some some pretty impressive names in there. Obviously, yourself, Fred Lee, who's um, a senior, I think, this year at, at Stanford uh, from over here in WA. Carl Phillips doing wonderful things as well. Uh, Garrick Higo, probably a name that many people would know. I mean, it, it was a really um, a really interesting team when you look at it on paper. And then in, in the American teams, uh, Ricky Castillo, Cole Hammer, like a few other, a few of the, these guys, Parker Cootie as well. I mean, what what's the feeling like when you, I guess, you know, you you um, qualify in, but what's that feeling like when you know, right, I'm I'm in for the inaugural junior president's cup team. I'm going to be playing alongside some of the best, I guess, junior for, for lack of a term golfers in, in the world. I'm going to be working with Gary player, Trevor, Lim, Trevor Himmelman. It must just blow your mind, mate. <laughs> it was, it was actually pretty, uh, it was a pretty cool little email I got uh, to confirm. It was an email. They didn't even call you. No, it was an email. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I remember in months to come, like I was stressing so much saying uh, like, oh, I've got to play good to, you know, because it was based on uh, the Wagga um, yep. at that point. Um, and yeah, I was stressing so much in months to come. So like, oh, I've got to play good to, you know, keep my spot. And I'd, I think just about, I think it was every Thursday in Australia that Wagga would update. So I would look at school and things like that. And everyone in my classes were looking at me going, what are you doing, you weirdo? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think from that side of things, I was a little bit stressed about it. And kind of when it came through, I was like, oh, cool. Like, and I didn't really think about who was going to be there. It was more of a, oh, cool, I'm in the team now. I don't yeah. have to stress about it. I don't have to look at Wagga every week. <laughs> The, um, the the only down down part of the uh, the experience must have been those uniforms that you had to wear because I'm listening to your Instagram here, mate. The bright blue trousers have they had another <laughs> run since or uh, they are dreadful? So uh, no, Adidas were very fortunate to get us out, but um, yeah, they, they could have been some better color choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love to try and put on one of those shirts now, I reckon, because I reckon I've put around about 30 kilos since then. So. <laughs> um, what's, what's the experience like? Because we must, you know, we must talk about working, I guess, so closely with Trevor Immelman and, and Gary Player, but then also I imagine there would have been time 
spent just as part of the whole experience with Nicholas and Tom's as well. I mean, four genuine legends of the game. What's it like working alongside uh, those four names? It's uh, it's some would say it's a golfer's dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, it was it was actually quite good. You know, Trevor spread his time around to everyone on the international team, which is really nice of him. Um, a very easy guy to talk to. Um, you know, he's sort of at that point in his career, obviously he's commentating. And at that point in time, he was starting to commentate for, I think, Golf Channel or Fox or whichever it is. Um, so he was sort of, you know, trying to mix around the both. But I think he did a really good job in that sense because he, he gave everyone the time that they needed. Um, and even Davis, for all that matter, he, he would come through and talk to even all our international guys and get to know our life stories and things like that, which is really cool. Um, you know, I had a little chat with Gary and Jack as well um, on the on the day of the singles, which, uh, you know, I feel pretty privileged, to be honest, because I know that there's lots of people on the board who don't get, quite, don't get to do that. Um, yeah, it's – you kind of – Sometimes you just can't put that sort of stuff into words of what it's what the feeling's like, yeah. um, you know, especially for a golf nut like myself. Obviously, I was probably too young to really appreciate what Gary and Jack did for golf in you know days gone by. But like, obviously, you know enough about them, and you're kind of like, oh, holy crap, <laughs> that's actually them. <laughs> when you get um, introduced, when you get introduced to them, and. Here's little old Josh from Canberra, and hello, this is this is Gary, and and this is Jack, and you shake their hand. I what did what did you say to him? What's what's, well, what? I don't even know what I'd say. I'd probably I'd just shit myself and go be speechless. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I you really almost can't say anything. <laughs> like I, I think with uh, I think. Gary didn't even sort of say, oh, like, it's nice to meet you. Just said, geez, you look like a pro mantis. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, obviously, what am I meant to say after that? Like, I'm just laughing and shaking his hand. He's just put you in a body bag uh, and you don't even know this bloke. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, Gary gave us the whole lecture of, uh, to me and a couple of the South African guys about, being really strong through the core and these typical speeches like that. And he gets down and does 10 push-ups in front of us. And I was like, and keep in mind, he's in a shirt and tie and stuff like that as well. And I just thought, yeah, you don't get this every day. <laughs> um, of course, uh, Trevor Wimbledon is going to be the, the 2022 President's Cup uh, captain as well. What are you having worked under him? What can we expect um, as, uh, as a captain in the President's Cup this year? I think Trev, he, he was pretty big on um, pairing people that were good mates together. Um, that's why Freddie and I, all the, all the teams things, we, we played together. Um, that was what Trev was really big on. Uh, so I, I would assume he's going to go through that same trend. Um, but in saying that, he's very uh, sort of, you guys are obviously good enough, so go about it in the way that you want to. Um, get what you want about of the week. Um, he wasn't very sort of pushy or sort of he wasn't very demanding in what he wanted at all. Uh, I think obviously a lot of the South African guys are very similar in their lingo and sort of 
ways about life as the Aussies are. So he'll be pretty sort of chilled and laid back with it all, I think. But in saying that, he, when it came to basically competing, he was there to win. So that's he's got that good balance to him. How how do you assess your performance um, throughout the tournament? I mean, obviously, um, just running through it here on day one, the morning four balls, uh, yourself and, and Freddie Lee, as you mentioned, um, lost to Eugene Hong and Akshay Batia, um, who we'll, we'll circle back to. Uh, and then the next day, you and Freddie again, or sorry, in the afternoon, you and Freddie in the in the Arvo beating Turner Hosh and Cannon Claycomb, and then in, in your singles match, uh, defeated by Cannon Claycomb. How do you assess your performance over the, the couple of days um, at the Junior President's Cup? Uh, I think Freddie and I, in, uh, in our four ball, we were pretty nervous, to be honest. Both of us didn't play very well at all. Um, you know, Akshay and, um, and Eugene, were they were just pretty solid and just kind of got it round. Um, I think they they won two, two and one or three and two or something like that. With um, And they only had three or four under in a four ball. Um, so it wasn't the most outstanding golf. Um, Freddie and I charged late in the foursomes from memory. We were getting pretty hyped up, <laughs> which is, uh, it was, that, I think that was probably a good fun part, to be honest. Um, singles, I played horrendously from memory. Uh, I think I got spanked, but uh, maybe I'll just leave the score out then just to. Uh... Yes. <laughs> No, nah, good idea. I've got it here. I won't say it. That's fine. It wasn't. You know, look, I'm sure you know by your um, own admission there, it wasn't your best, your best performance in the singles. But um, obviously, the states did end up uh, winning the inaugural, um, the inaugural Junior Presidents Cup. We've mentioned his name a couple of times. They're actually Batia. I mean, so so much said about the guy, particularly in the last week, having won on the Corn Ferry Tour. But was it obvious to you? having played directly against him, that he was going to be this, I, I don't know, he's, he's not a generational player, I don't think, but there's clearly a lot of hype around what actually Batia is going to bring to the game. Was it? Did he stand out by, by any stretch? The first thing I'll say is his body hasn't changed. He's exactly the same, um, probably just grown a foot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, from what I could tell, his game's very similar. Um, obviously there's a lot of fine tuning, but I, I don't remember it being, um, like very, I'll say outlier. So nothing was absolutely fantastic about it. Um, you know, guys probably say that about me, but that's fine. Um, you know, I think there's, um, Akshay was just a very good fighter. And I think that's that's something that will always stick with him. And I remember he got an invite into the um, one of the PGA events and he needed to make a birdie, birdie or two of the last five or six holes to make the cut, and he did. So I think that's that's where he'll be very good. And that's kind of his his niche, which um, if he can sort of do that when you're, not in, when you're not playing good, it's obviously a good feature to have when you are playing good too. So I think uh, I think that'll be something you'll have to bring to the table. Let's bring it forward to I guess twenty twenty one. We've spoken about um, a couple of really nice results for for yourself. Um, 
2022, I mean, it's the season obviously started at the back end of the, the year there last year and really exciting to have some events back on the schedule and, and something that obviously we've called for pretty strongly on, on this podcast to our followers. But um, I guess if you look at 2022 as a year, you've started so well and you must that must set you up really nicely for what's to come. Obviously, we were talking before we came on air. We're not really sure about where New Zealand's at or the WA events are at um, with the whole COVID situation. But a T17 finish at the, the Aussie PGA uh, and then... Um, over the weekend, a, a T4 finish at Queensland PGA. I mean, it must set you up really nicely and give you a great level of confidence to um, to really kickstart 2022 for you. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think there was definitely lots of positives out of the two weeks. Um, I think uh, it, last week especially, it was kind of a I, – I, there was a lot of opportunities to be even a little bit more – um, especially over the weekend, it would have been nice to give Quay a little bit more of a fight. Um, since I'm good mates with him as well, but you know, it, uh, I think the game's definitely looking pretty good for the rest of the season. Um, it does give you the confidence where it's like, well, okay, it's good enough to compete, so you just got to let it go and just kind of get that free flowing, kind of you know, enjoy it really. The Friday round, uh, out there at Nudgee. Um, I wasn't out there, but I saw the Kandidis looking absolutely dreadful. Uh, Marshy, obviously, being in Queensland, told me that it was uh, raining sideways. The wind was genuinely coming in horizontally. You were the only player inside who finished inside the top 10 to, to shoot under par on that day. Um, conditions obviously not phasing you that much, leaning on the Canberra, Canberra wind knowledge. Um, what, how, how did you pull I, I, that I, one together? I guess a little bit. Um, in all honesty, though, like I, so I'm I'm playing at Concord these days. But before there, I was spending four years at the Lakes, um, and I think that's where those days helped a lot for playing in those sorts of conditions. Even experience from playing in British amateurs and things like that. Um, you learn that not every shot's going to be perfect. So you you sort of lean on your chipping and putting and sort of off you go. Hit it in the right spots, try and miss it in the right spots anyway and make the most of opportunities when they arise. The Aussie PGA, I mean, you, uh, I guess, throughout the first first round, you were one over par and then a couple of rounds of, of even par. And then Sunday, things really clicked for you. Uh, low round of the day alongside Brett Rankin with a 65. I mean... It, is it is it frustrating or pleasing when something like that happens and it all sort of comes together for one day? Oh, well, I guess it's a bit of both, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of frustrating because it's like, well, why can't I do that for the other three rounds? Yeah. <laughs> um, but in saying that, it's, it's nice to put together what was arguably a, an average week and turn it into a, well, okay, that's not a bad finish on the leaderboard considering. Um, in all honesty, a T17 finish with how bad I hit at the first two rounds is unbelievable. <laughs> um, like round two, I only hit six screens for even par. So moving forward now, uh, obviously we've got uh, the, the TPS events uh, sort of lumped together there and then the Vic Open in the middle of all of that. Have you got both eyes firmly set on the New South Wales Open out at Concord 
at your home club. You must be what you're going to have the membership completely just following you around. There it must be something that you're really looking forward to. In all seriousness, it must be something that you're pumped to go and play. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, it was there last year. Yeah, um, and it was. It, I think Jeddy'd be able to back me up on this. Um, you know, playing a playing a fairly sizable golf tournament on your home tracks not something that everyone gets to do. So you try and suck it up as much as you can. And I had a good mate on the bag who, um, yeah, we. I just said, look, I'm just trying to enjoy it as much as I can. Obviously, I want to try and play well, but um, you know, it was, it's nice to sort of know that a lot of the members are there to support you and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, this year, it's there's a bit of a, a bit of a talk with some of the members that obviously since I've been growing the hair out a bit, I've been sort of egging them on saying I might just chat, might uh, bring in a mullet for New South Open week. <laughs> you and all every other golfer on the Aussie tour that's under the age of about 25 at the moment. We, we, have, we were talking to Louis Dobler last night and we were trying to understand who's got the better mullet between him and Jed and he said it's quite comfortably Jed, so... Um, yeah, well, you've got you've got the locks there, mate. If you if you get it all cut in, you you might give Jed a run for his money at the moment. Um, oh, mate, I, I think those boys have got me covered. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, does it does it add an element of pressure playing a relatively sizable tournament on your on your home deck? I mean, when you look at the prize money, I guess it's on offer. It's it is um, the the third biggest one, I think, uh, on offer on the on the tour this year. I mean, does it add a element of i guess pressure to to go out there and perform i think um i think the hardest thing is trying not to build the expectations of how you play you know on a, on a, on a saturday comp around there um and obviously a lot of the members would know what you're capable of so it's i think that's the pressure that a lot of people think about um and I, I think that's why it was so impressive. Jetty was able to just live it up and just absolutely go nuts against us at the PGA. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, in all honesty, I sort of felt that a little bit last year. You know, I, I sort of, I think I was maybe six or seven under after the first two rounds, and everyone's sort of saying, "Oh, you normally shoot that in one day and mm-hmm. things like that." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I know, but um, you kind of." The hardest thing is just trying to free float and just let it go. Um, but I think that's that's where it's kind of nice to okay, that's that's what I know, that's what's expected. Because um, obviously these bigger events, you're trying to utilize them to get up the order of merit as much as possible. Um, but it's yeah, it, I, this year I'm definitely looking forward to it a lot more than I was last year, to be honest. What's what's the goal for this year? Obviously, you know, as we were mentioning before, who knows what the world is really looking like as far as New Zealand and, and Western Australia, which is four events out of the schedule. What's the plan for the the remainder of the year? Is it to see out the the Aussie tour and then have a look at overseas? Are you cutting the season short here? What's your sort of thoughts around what you're going to be doing for 22? Yeah, so I'll I'll be here uh, definitely till the end of the season. Um, and then, um, you know, well, now even with the Aussie Tour, there's a lot of avenues to, through the DP world now. Um, so that could be an option, depending on how the rest of the year goes. Um, but the plan was, say, January 1 this year, was to go to Corn Free Q School in the back half of the year. 
Uh, so go over to the States for a few months and then, um, yeah, try and obviously get back here for the PGA and Aussie Open and all that sort of stuff at the end of this year. Um, but, yeah, main goal was to try and get myself on the Corn Ferry Q School and get my card over there. That's probably all the golf ones. A couple of quick fire ones that I've found while I was doing a bit of researching on you. What we normally do with all of our guests is yeah. jump on their Instagram, scroll back to their very first photo that they uploaded. Yours is just oh, tame. There's nothing there that I can that I can pull the piss out of you for. Um, I mean, I reckon your photography skills have got a bit better of taking photos of the, the Twin Towers in Malaysia. Uh, but... I mean, you you played some nice courses there. I mean, Tory Pines is on is on the list there. I think uh, TPC uh, Sawgrass would have been on there. There's the Island yeah. Hole. I mean, yeah. you played some pretty phenomenal courses in your time, and there's nothing that I can even pull the piss out of you for. Well, if you want, then I can give you a story <laughs> about just about probably an hour before that photo of uh, the the towers in Malaysia. Yeah, please. So. <laughs> Malaysian amateur. Um, I was over there with, I think there was six Aussies there, a few, few boys from Adelaide and myself and Lockie Barker, who's over at Iowa State. Um, we decided to go have dinner at this um, at KL Tower, which is kind of like Sydney Tower. It's got the 360 sort of revolving bistro thing and buffet and all that sort of stuff. Phenomenal views. And so we thought, okay, we'll go for a go for a walk after shoving our guts, um, go over to the towers and do the tourist thing, take some photos, and we'll go back to the hotel. So we go for a wander. It's only about a 15, 20-minute walk, and we're obviously tourists and we've got no idea where we're bloody going. So we walk past this major bus station, and there's a guy that comes out of the bus um, like running, holding this bag, and he's got blood all over his shoulder. I'm like, oh, that's a bit weird. And anyway, so next minute, there's about a, about six other guys in, dressed in all black that are running after this guy. And one of them's pushed over one of our Aussie guys under the floor and starts drilling him. And then so we get up and anyway, so long story short, we, uh, we find out later that night reading a news article that that was one of, uh, one of the gangs in Malaysia. That were that were after this bloke who'd stolen something from them. So yeah, that was all on the way to taking that photo on the on the on the towers. <laughs> That's the first gang-related story that we've had on the pod in 180 episodes. So that, that's go. loose. Yeah. That's wild. So 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 one of the boys was getting getting a couple of couple of punches thrown at him. Did Nothing you have to intervene serious. or like, what are you doing? Are you fight, oh, mate, a, fight was, a flight? Mate, I was this little, I think I was 16 at that point in time. And I'm like, geez, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> like he, our, our guy wasn't hurt or anything. So he was fine. Got up and, you know, we just kept walking. But yeah, it was just, it was absolutely chaotic. And like, I, I had no idea what to think of the situation. Like it all happened in a split second. We're yakking away, having a laugh and, you know, we're talking about, I don't know, whatever. And next minute, there all these guys come running out of this bus and this guy's got blood all over his shirt. And we're like, oh, God, here we go. That is that is absolutely loose. That is, yeah, that's a wild story. You've, you've left me spent. That is not where I thought that was going at all. If you gave me 10 guesses, that's definitely not where I thought it was going. 
Uh, one of the questions we do like to ask is what you like to do away from the golf course. What are your, your hobbies? But then having a look at the Golf New South Wales website and the profile for yourself, your answer to that question is not much. Yeah. Care, care to expand on <laughs> any other hobbies aside from golf? Well, I think at that point in time when I was making that, I was playing a lot of guitar. Um, yeah. Don't really do much of that anymore. Um, in all honesty, I'm probably a pretty boring dude compared to a lot of other guys. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. I, I can't say I do much. <laughs> You're clearly an NBA fan, the Dallas Mavs. That's your your team. Any any particular reason the Mavericks are the team of choice? Um, well, I sort of. It was a bit of a. a uh, I don't know if you call it a weird sort of circumstance, but I, I was over in Dallas actually, and I was pretty young. I was in this hotel room and we could sit, hear all these people, this noise outside. And I sort of looked down and I was like, Oh, there's a basketball stadium down there. And so I turned the TV on next thing you know, it's Dallas Mavericks playing the, I think it was game three of the NBA finals against Miami heat. Right. So, you know, I guess that's where it kind of came from. Um, I was playing a little bit of basketball at that point for my school. Um, and, yeah, that, that's really where it, where it left off. That was, Dirk Nowitzki was playing at that point in time as well, so it was, it was awesome. Yeah. I was going to say Dirk would have been absolutely doing his thing. Last question for the night. Your favourite player, Ricky Fowler. Ricky's certainly a favourite of this show, not just we've obviously got our partnership with Cobra Puma but, and, and as does yeah. Ricky, but what's it, what's it all about Ricky that uh, you've got the attraction to him? Um. I like a lot of things about a lot of different players. I like that Ricky just gets along with his business and sort of doesn't make a big fuss about it. Um, but then again, he's still a good bloke outside of, well, at least it seems like he's a good bloke outside yeah. of golf. Um, can't say I met him for a bar of soap, but, you know, it's, uh, he's yeah, I, I just like how he just goes about his life and goes about business. Um, you know, he doesn't try and sugarcoat things, doesn't try to make excuses for things, just gets in, does his stuff and goes home. And yeah, it's, uh, obviously he's not playing so great at the moment, but uh, I think he'll come back eventually. I think he will. There's a few swing changes going on and a few different things as well. So hopefully he's back up the rankings soon mate it's been a lot of fun having a chat to you and um i hope hope you've enjoyed it as well and, and best of luck for the remainder of the season particularly the new south wales open we'd love to see you get up at your your home track and um if the world returns to some sort of normality here in western australia we might see you over here for uh, a couple of events that we got here thanks very much mate for coming on and having a chat to us perfect thanks nathan thanks for having me mate